Welcome back to The Versatile Writer, the podcast that aims to provide help and support for like-minded writers. It's been eight weeks since the end of season six, and by golly, didn't that time fly. I hope you enjoyed the topics I brought to the table. In this season, I've tried to be as helpful and as varied as I can to give you plenty to think about with your own writing. As always, I'll be talking from my own experiences, so if you find something I say that you disagree with, why not jump on the podcast group page on Facebook and we can further the discussions there. The link is on the show notes. Alternatively, you can type into Facebook search bar the Versatile Writer Podcast Group. As with last season, I'm recording this in a room next to my garden with the door open. There may be times when you can hear the trees and the leaves blowing in the breeze, or even birds tweeting. In this episode, episode one, I'm looking at characters. Now that's a big area to investigate and pick apart, so naturally there will be a part two, which will come later in this season. Within this episode though, I'll be looking at character names, some of their meanings, how the name sounds, and how some names suit or don't suit certain genres. You will undoubtedly feel differently about some of this because, like most things, name choices are subjective. And that's another good use of the Facebook group. You can post there your choices of which names you feel are best suited to which genre. Some writers need to know the characters' names straight away so they can work the story around them, while other writers can write the story and fill in the names later maybe using character X or character Y all the way through. Sometimes the title is known and the story is born from that, and this is because no two writers use exactly the same process when completing a novel. Genre has a lot to do with creating your characters carefully, because, generally speaking, if your story is plot-led, then the reader won't be focusing so much on what the character looks like or how they dress necessarily, If the story is character-led, they probably will. For instance, in the romance genre, and sub-genres of it, stories tend to be character-led, and the reader learns what the character looks like, their hair and eye colour, shape of lips maybe, clothes, jobs, things like that. If it's an action-packed crime novel though, which are often more plot-led, you might be more interested in the character's choice of weapon, if the car or plane is a specific make or model, or what's happening to get you to the next explosion. When I begin a story, the first things I tend to focus on when I'm creating a character are what are they there to do, and what specific skills might they have, and these help me work out a name. I try to make their name either mean something specific to what I'm going to make them do, or choose a name that emphasises their personality. And this is when it gets a little deeper. For instance, I feel like the name Katie, with a C, is bright and light and breezy. And one of my recent characters was called Katie because feeling good with the world and behaving bright and breezy was her end goal. But that wasn't how she began. So her name choice and how it was spelled helped inform her character development. Long before Katie took complete shape on my page, She was originally going to be named Kitty, not too far away from Katie. Kitty was intended to have cat-like actions, be agile and snuggly yet scratchy when rubbed up the wrong way. However, Katie, who she ended up being, 
didn't fit Kitty's character one little bit, and Kitty felt more like a historical novel character's name to me than a modern one. I looked at different ways to approach the character, moving from Katie with a K, Kitty, Cat with a C, Cat with a K, and their origin name with the traditional spelling of Catherine with a C. But then Katie was born. Interestingly, during my research on name meanings, I discovered that Catherine means pure and clean, and Katie's past is anything but, so that was a nice contrast to her lifestyle and her character arc. Choosing a character name can be quite a personal experience that's personal for the character as well as the author. That could be something the reader doesn't even pick up on because often they simply read the story and don't look any deeper. And quite rightly in most cases. If they're the main character, the MC, then I put a lot of thought into their name. What they look like, where they're from, that kind of thing. If they're a supporting character, then the same things are looked at but less time goes into it. Later, if they end up being a bigger character, then more time will be invested into them because they're carrying more of the story. All this research is carried out to build the character from the ground upwards. Names for women in romance novels can cover quite a multitude of generations. It really is a matter of whatever fits your character. Some of the male character names I've really liked over time and I have either used or will use, are Theo, Joel, Drew or Andrew, Casey and Nolan. I like male names with a bit of meat but also a bit of a suggestive sensitivity about them. You'll still need a good name for your character in a crime or action novel. I believe strong, quick, monosyllabic names are good for these kinds of stories. It emphasises the speed and pace of the story. Jack and Tom seem like good names if past novels have, are anything to go by. James is also good. I don't think years of James Bond novels and movies will disagree with that. I also like initial names for fast-paced thrillers like TJ because it suggests something behind those initials that's worth digging into. There are some names you might not consider for certain genres. Science fiction and fantasy might not necessarily lend themselves to regular everyday names. Well, there's one very obvious exception to this. But the science fiction story of Firefly with the main character's name of Malcolm, shortened to Mal, helped make it punchier and the character himself, himself added even more interest in that genre-blended sci-fi western story. But you don't get a lot of Malcolms, do you, in sci-fi or in fantasy? Occasionally, fantasy novels have characters with seemingly unpronounceable names Yet all it takes is a moment of your time to break the name down into pronounceable sections to make it stick in your mind. Lord of the Rings has become well known for that. Frodo, Sauron, Bilbo hardly seem unusual now. And Harry and Ron are prime examples of regular names in a fantasy novel. Hermione, however, is a name I'd never heard of before than books and movies. Science fiction novels based on otherworldly places may use unusual names for their characters. Again, I think this adds to the excitement and adventure to have something interesting rather than a regular name you might have on this planet. And lastly, in historical novels, it's unlikely a very modern name would be used for a character unless you're blending your historical novel with a bit of time travel. Generally, a lot of traditional or even biblical names may well be used in historical novels. So genre has a lot to do with choosing character names.
Some writers like to play around with a metaphor style name to immerse the reader quickly. Hunter in a detective novel, for instance, or Frank if the character has a direct and honest personality. Leo if they're strong or regal. How about Sue for a lawyer or Hugh for a colourful character? As a writer, I like to add a bit of spice or a bit of depth by ensuring a character's name carries meaning or, if not meaning, provides a bit of oomph for the story. You're also going to be spending a lot of time with that character, so choosing a name that fits them, plus doesn't grate on you when you're putting them into different situations, is going to be the better choice. It's at this point I generally use a personal anecdote to share my perspective and illustrate the point, and today is no different. When I first began writing novels in my 20s, which was in the 1990s, I discovered I wanted my characters to sound like real people, but I also wanted them to feel a bit exotic too. Exotic made it sound exciting, and that added to the overall idea of writing a story. Sometimes I did this through the spelling of the name. What I didn't know, though, was that some people consider that a fancy name is there to cover up a poor story or bad writing, and the idea that you, if you make the name pretty, nobody will see the mistakes. Chances were, it probably was a poor story or bad writing because I was still learning. But that's just one school of thought. I tend to feel that if a character has a particularly unusual name, maybe it'll add interest. Also, maybe look into the backstory of why they were given that name. What was going on in the minds of the parents of that character? Even if those parents don't show up or are even mentioned in the story, maybe it will come out in dialogue with your character when they meet another person. Incidentally, in my first published novel, one of my characters was called Catherine. I spelled it C-A-T-H-R-Y-N-N, rather than the more traditional spelling of C-A-T-H-E-R-I-N-E. The spelling I gave her reinforced in me that when writing her scenes that she was cute and bubbly and bright and quick thinking and above all a good guy. She was the person who my male lead was relying on for his life and that of the female lead too. Catherine became more than a character. She was a plot device. In that specific story, I called the main female lead Genevieve, G-E-N-E-V-I-E-V-E, which is similar sounding to Guinevere from the King Arthur legend. The name Guinevere feels elegant and royal. And my Genevieve had long red hair, as do many of my heroines actually, and was tall and willowy, opinionated, and a woman who behaved badly. She was entitled and a socialite, and yet that was her protective outer shell, but later became a much softer much more loving woman who, while she was still strong-minded, would listen to others speak rather than just insert her opinion. Genevieve was a socialite and pretty unlikable at first, but later became the kind of woman you'd want as a friend. Now for the male leads in my novels. Casey, who I've just mentioned, was an ex-police officer turned bodyguard. His name, for me, conjured up action, adrenaline, excitement, good looks, strength and protection. Drew is a character in my newest novel. It's short for Andrew. Drew's middle name is mentioned as well. It's Alexander, after his dad. All three of these names strike me as strong of body and mind, compassionate and not afraid to roll up their sleeves and get to work, yet still have an air of fun about them. Tim, for me, was a character who was hard-working yet youthful, 
naive almost. He was in my second novel, it was a crime thriller, back in 2006. The character, I named Tim, was raised by his grandparents and was traditional in his outlook. Thus, he treated women respectfully and expected to pay for dinner. That said, my character opposite him, Jane, with a Y, was strong-minded enough to explain that that didn't matter and she would be paying her share. It's funny with names because sometimes you have to get your mind set on what your character will be called. And then when you get them working or seeing or, or living out their lives between the pages, the name just doesn't fit them any longer. One of these characters was back in my writing apprenticeship days about 25 years ago. I wrote, and am still writing, a story about a little girl who's fostered out but gets lost in the system. The male lead was originally called Tex, but then he was called Connor, then Drew, another Drew, and currently remains nameless. Although I do have a couple of ideas of what I will call him. He doesn't fit any of the names that I've already given him, though, however. <laughs> Over time, one of my writing-related hobbies is to collect names. I say collect in inverted commas. I have a selection of names that might fit him or, and many other characters that I haven't even written yet. And one day I'll go back to the story and name him properly so I can finish that story. So names don't always jump out at me and allow me to run with them. Sometimes they take a while to fit the character. It's a little bit like wearing a jumper that's too tight or too loose. Somehow you want to wear the jumper, but it has to fit you rather than you fit it. And that's how I see names. I mentioned earlier that names might be given to mean something. My latest novel has a character called Margaret. I researched the name and Pearl was one of its meanings but also that rock was. I felt Margaret's presence and guidance to the characters was helped by her being their rock, so that was more of a help to me when writing it rather than for the reader's experience. Another recent character, Delilah, felt way too big for the character, so I reduced it to the much more fun-loving Lila. Lila and Delilah feel vastly different names, yet both suit her, although Lila was a much lighter name for me to attach to her and work with. The thing is with character names is that if it works for you, your story and your genre, you can pretty much get away with anything if you write it convincingly enough. If your writing is such that you can smoothly add a modern name to a historical novel, there's nothing stopping you. I prefer names that match where the story is headed, but that's purely a personal choice because mostly character names are subjective. There's a heap of names I really don't enjoy the sound of or what they conjure for me but that doesn't mean I shouldn't use them. So whatever character name you go for, enjoy it. Create the character, name them, and see where they take you and enjoy the ride. Thank you for listening to this first episode of Season 7 of The Versatile Writer. I really do appreciate you taking the time to do it. If you want to continue the discussion with me on the Facebook group, you'd be very welcome. Until Episode 2, I wish you many hours of productive writing.